Welcome to Central Assembly's podcast. Here is a message from our lead pastor, Kurt Jenkins. We pray this message speaks to you. Two weeks ago, we launched our new mission statement that we do believe uh, embodies what we just talked about, that life-changing power of Jesus. We believe that it includes the great uh, commission. We believe it includes the early church in the book of Acts and also a biblical model of ministry that equips every single believer to walk in the power of the Spirit in every area of life. So I know we just read something, but I want to read uh, this mission statement together. If you do that with me, our mission is to produce a unified family of believers being transformed by Jesus and empowered to live supernaturally while advancing the kingdom of God everywhere we go. All right, like I mentioned last week, the four values that we're going to uh, continue to teach on, uh, which is family, uh, transform, empower, and advance, they're all found already in this mission statement. Uh, we talked about family last week. I'm going to talk about that again this week. And like I just mentioned, next week we'll, we will start transformation and how Jesus all ultimately has done that through the cross and the resurrection. Now, you received a handout last week, and we'll have it in the bulletin again next week about family. And in that is just a description of how we are explaining this core value of family. And it will be on the screen as well. It says, we are a family of believers united in the Holy Spirit, welcoming all to receive and extend the love of God. So we may become mature in the faith while providing authentic care to one another. We experience this family environment by honoring each other's uniquenesses, by valuing one another's strengths, and by living generously toward all. Last week, we, we honed in on honoring each other's uniquenesses. So basically, I said, it's like saying this to somebody, that I honor who you are as a child of God and how you uh, express your love for God in different ways. And even though I don't always understand or maybe won't even agree at times, I'll still honor you above my personal preference. So we talked all about honoring differences last week. So really, when you think about that word honor, it's recognizing the divine design inside someone else that might look completely different than how God has designed you, but still honoring them, putting them on a place of recognition and care and love and concern uh, for the purpose of being a unified family. So today we're gonna look at a different portion of that phrase. We're gonna look at valuing one another's strengths, really to the point of being willing to fully participate in the life of this church family so that everyone's gifts have an opportunity to develop and thrive. Last week, we looked at Acts chapter 2, and I actually want to look at that again because it all uh, threads together anyway. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. If you want to open your Bible, if you write in your Bible, you want to uh, open that up or flip to it in your phone, we'll be in Acts and then over to 1 Corinthians and then Ephesians. So just right within that first section uh, or into the middle section of the New Testament. Again, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. Your words might be a little bit different. I want to emphasize some things in these verses. In Acts chapter 2, we see the 120 uh, that after Jesus ascended to heaven, the 120 were in what we know as is the upper room. They spent 10 days there praying, seeking God. Jesus said, wait there until you receive power from on high. So the Holy Spirit comes on the day of Pentecost, baptizes the believers in the Holy Spirit. Uh, they go out into the streets. Peter preaches, and three, approximately 3,000 people get born again and water baptized on that day. So it's following that verse that about 3,000 enter into the kingdom that this is said here. 
Remember, they, these, these individuals are, are uh, Jewish people. They've been following all these rules and regulations. They're new to how they're new at doing church together as family. They're used to following a whole bunch of rules, but you see the fruit of what Jesus did in their lives so quickly. It says, all the believers, can you say all? All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to sharing of meals, which included the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. It says, a deep sense of awe came over them all. Say all. And all the apostles, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. I said it last week. A lot of times when we think of family, we think of that warm, cuddly care and concern, but there were still signs, wonders, and miracles happening in the midst of their relationships. Uh, in verse 44, it says, and all the believers, say all. all. All the believers met together in one place. They shared everything they had. They met together at the temple each day. They met in the homes for the Lord's Supper, and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Say all. All, all the people. And we see the fruit of this. The fruit of their relationship with one another comes in verse 47. It says, in each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. If you see through the thread of just these verses, this is called the early church. These are the first believers that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit called the church. This is the New Testament church. And it said over and over again, all the believers, all of them, all the believers enjoying the goodwill of all the people. You know what that word, word all means in the original language? All, every single one of them. You're like, what, what does it mean? It actually means all, it means all. What this shows me in the most simple terms is that everyone was active Everyone was involved. Everyone was significant in the church, in the early church, which means everybody participated in receiving discipleship and giving discipleship, in relationships, in communion, in prayer, in generosity. It doesn't say that there was you know, a few people off to the side. It says that there were actually Everyone participated so much that in Acts chapter 4, when it talks about their relationships again, it says that there were no needy people among them. And we see two acts of generosity even happening through these verses. One is, is that through their own relationship with believers, they would give of their material items, and then they also would sell properties at times and give it to the apostles to give who was in need. But there was a very intentional strategy in their relationships to care for one another to a point that none of them were in need. Now, in those times, the way, relation, or the way that the communities were built, uh, everyone saw what everyone else was doing. So in a healthy way, they spurred one another on uh, to good works, right? There was 100% participation. I do believe this is the only reason why Luke could actually write that all believers, all believers, all believers over and over and over again. I think it's clear here that no one was slacking off, right? They actually would have stuck out. In today's world, when we have our vehicles and we could drive and get right into our garages and close our garage door and we're, we're together once, maybe twice a week, I believe it's easier to not have 100% participation. But when they're all living right within close-knit communities, they would see the necessity of everybody participating in the health of the church. For our church family, that, the goal is absolutely the same. 
Our goal, our desire, our prayer, our hope is that 100%, every single person that calls Central Assembly of God their home would be committed to discipleship, to fellowship, to prayer, to partaking in communion, and to serving in ministry and generosity. The fact of the matter is this, we will not fulfill the Great Commission as the Lord's calling us to if we don't have everybody on board. God actually wired the church, which is the people. It's not this building that we're sitting in. He wired the church to function in such a way that every single person is involved. Every person has value and is valued and sees production in their own personal ministry. You know, I think probably one of the biggest hurdles that the American church has to face is the belief that the pastors are here to provide for everybody's needs, both practical and spiritual. And, uh, you know, you might hear the statement sometimes, I, I haven't heard it in our church, but you might hear it sometimes, well, that's what they get paid to do. The pastors get paid to do that stuff, let them do that. I'll come to church once a week or so on and just kind of live my life. If you look throughout scripture, threaded through the entire New Testament, it says those who are really were called to give their entire lives to ministry uh, were to do it to actually equip those who did have other jobs and other avenues of life to equip them to do the work of the ministry. Now, that doesn't mean we're being lazy, like, okay, you guys do the ministry. That's not it. We're partnering with you, so we're helping you, we're assisting you, we're fanning your flame, we're equipping you, we're giving you the revelation that we have. Basically, we're giving our lives for the benefit of you and your family so that you will give your lives for the benefit of other people and their families. So it's a constant pouring out. But I do believe that there has to be a shift in our mindset uh, of what ministry looks like and how every single person who calls themselves born again, a follower of Jesus, you are in ministry. Even that word ownership, the taking ownership in a church family, it means that you are going to have, take an active role at at solving problems. Like when you see something, you're not just gonna let it pass it by. We're not gonna say, well, we'll wait till maintenance covers that or do this or that. You'll say, okay, I'm a part of this church family. I'm taking ownership of it. So I'm going to help with the problems that we see in our local communities, in our neighborhoods, even within the church family itself. And we're gonna add value to that. And we're gonna provide for what is needed. If we look at, if you wanna turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, I wanna read some verses out of there. So Luke wrote the book of Acts, and he's talking about how all the believers were a vital part of the church, right? They all committed themselves really to everything that was going on, and yet the reality is, is they did have other jobs. So it wasn't, they, were just, they just weren't hanging out in a church building. They weren't just hanging out in the temple. They still lived their lives while being a vital part of the church. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul gives the example of how the human body is a representation or a picture of the church body. So I want to read several verses and I'll stop and just share along the way here. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Another translation says, we were all given one spirit to drink. So if you look around, go ahead and just look around, like to other people across here. You're allowed to. I don't think you're weird. Go ahead and look around. 
and look at them and say, you look different, but you're special. <laughs> Listen, when you, look, when you look around this room, there are different ages, different ethnicities, different backgrounds. We've been uh, with the Lord different amounts of years, but we share one thing in common, and we share the same spirit. I like what that verse says in the, in the other translation I didn't read from that. We all drink from the same spirit. So we can look around. If I, if I had one really big cup and we just shared that cup all the way around, I know that we wouldn't do that. It's gross. Okay. Ooh, ooh, ooh. But we would walk out of here saying like everybody's different in this congregation. Everybody has a different passion, a different gift, a different background. But if we were to say, what was the one thing you had in common today? You'd like, we all shared that same cup. Ooh. <laughs> But in a good side, we all share and drink from the same spirit. That's how we can be called united in the spirit, capital S, Holy Spirit. So no matter how different somebody else is from you, no matter how different they worship from you, instead of that irritating you or frustrating you, you could say, I have a common bond with that person. They have the same spirit in them that I have in me that Jesus had in him. That's how we can be united in the spirit. Different parts of the body, yet one whole body. Verse 14, it says, yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? No, the answer is no. If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? What Paul's saying here is this. Every single person is significant. Every single spiritual gift, every strength is needed in the church. What these verses represent to me is comparison. And comparison kills. The worst thing you could do is take a look at your spiritual gifts, look at, look at your purpose, your calling, and then look to the side of you and say, yeah, but look at them. They're better. They've been Christian longer. They see more people healed when they pray. They see more people saved. They're a better leader. They're this, this, and this. Listen, the devil will use that on you all day long. If he could just get you to look off of what God's doing in your life and just look at somebody else's in the area of comparison, not of honor and not of value. I'm talking about comparing. You'll always find somebody that can do things different or do things better. Right, that's why I, I like Facebook to, to be able to encourage people and to, to do things. But you, you look at Facebook long enough, someone's smile is going to be nicer. Someone went on a nicer vacation, whatever it is. Comparison kills. It's a lie from the enemy to say, to the, for the hand to say, well, I'm a hand, so I'm not a part of the body. I'm just an eye. I'm not a part of the body. Paul's saying every single part of the body is significant. And that's a picture of the church. It says in verse 18, but our bodies have many parts. God has put each part just where he wants it. Isn't that interesting? God chose to design our body the way he wanted it. And God chose to design you as a part of this local body of Christ, just the way he wanted it. Verse 19, he says, how strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Listen, just the same way as comparing something is of the devil, so is feeling ineffective, 
For you to say, I've only been a believer this long, or I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not spiritual enough, so I don't have anything to add value to this local body, that is a lie from the devil. Every single one of you has something to give to this church body. And it's not to be self-serving, it's to build one another up so for the purpose of advancing the kingdom of God. It's being a strong family, united in the spirit, and yet still welcoming enough when someone's broken and lost and isolated comes through these doors, we could say, welcome into this family of God. So for you to say, oh, I'm just this, I'm just that, it's a lie. You're believing a lie. You are significant. God chose to have you at Central Assembly of God for this season of time, so he has something special for you to do. I'm not just talking about signing up for a ministry and serving once a month. I'm asking for you to ask the Lord, how can I add value to this local body so we can add value to a lost and dying world around us? It's a very simple question. I I believe the Lord's going to uh, begin to give us clarity in that area if you're feeling insignificant. You know, uh, I used to do it, now Pastor Todd does it. A part of our membership class, Next Steps, we have an assessment and you get online, you answer some questions, and it helps identify uh, what spiritual gifts might be highlighted in your life. I, I don't ever use them to limit you. I don't want you to ever say, well, I just have these three spiritual gifts, and that's it. Listen, Jesus carried every single gift inside of him, and now the spirit of Jesus lives in you. So God can use you however, whenever, wherever he wants to. But they at least help you recognize this might be what he's highlighting in my life in this season. It also helps you understand what kind of personality that you have, and obviously you can probably identify most of that yourself, Uh, And then a leadership style as well. And then we just help get you into ministry. But it's not about just signing up to serve in a ministry. It's to understand and recognize God's calling me to do something greater than myself to help strengthen this body and then help strengthen our local community. I use a phrase with people. I say, there are no wrong people. There are just right people in the wrong ministries. So if you're frustrated with where you're at right now, you're not seeing any fruit or fulfillment, you're the right person. You just might be in the wrong lane right now. So talk to us and we'll help you out. Verse 22, still in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, in fact, some parts of the body that may seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. I love this. This is how the kingdom works. It's not about being seen or noticed. It's not about recognition. It's about doing what God's called you to do. In fact, there's a hand, I'm almost positive, there's a handout uh, in your bulletin today that has the leadership team, the pastoral team, and the elders and deacons. If you turn to the back of that, those are the people you should be eyeing up to thank. These are the people that are never in the spotlight, that are never on the platform, but these are the guys, the men and the women who make this church work alongside of us. It's our support team, our facilities team, part-time, full-time, whoever they are. I know some of their, their faces aren't listed, just their names. Find out who they are and thank them for being willing to do the work that they do. In fact, our support team, facilities team, part-time, full-time, why don't you stand up at this time? Come on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Verse 25, he says this. 
This makes for harmony. What's harmony? Completely different noises coming together to make a beautiful sound together. It says this makes for, be- for harmony among the members so that all the members, can you say all? all? So that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer. And if, and if one part is honored, then all the parts are glad. Isn't that interesting? how you're all significant, but we're also dependent on one another. The health of this body is dependent on your health. The health and the strength of this body is dependent on your participation to just simply run the lane that God has given you. And he says in verse 27, all of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. And he goes on and I won't read it, but in verse 28 on, it talks about how Uh, God has given the gifts of the apostles and the prophets, the teachers, those who do miracles and so on to make up this body. So your active involvement counts. The ownership that you take in this church family, it absolutely counts. It helps us work together as a healthy family. You know, I do believe God wants to continue to develop the health in this church family so we can welcome more and more and more and more people into it. We went to one service for a strategic reason is to get this church on the same body growing or on the same page. We can cast vision in the same areas, but we, listen, we don't want to stay in one service forever, not just for the purpose of growing numerically. We believe that God wants to use us to grow and advance the kingdom of God. So we're going to need more space in these pews eventually. So we will go to two services eventually when we feel like the Lord's released us to do that. Last week, I talked about how we want to welcome all people from all backgrounds, and I want to read it to you again, and I wanted to add a few uh, things as well so I could share some some, uh, prophetic words that we've received about this church. I said that we want the introvert and the extrovert, the plan maker and the risk taker. We want the dress shirts and the sweatshirts. We want the comb straight hold and the spiked and bold. We want the military blues and covered in tattoos. We want young, old, and every age. We want the single, the married, and every life stage. Let me add on. We want the white, the brown, the black, and tan. We want Asian, Hispanic, and African. We want any race. I had to adjust it. We want any race, origin, and ethnicity. We want to model heaven on this side of eternity. Amen? Amen. Listen, Caucasians don't get their own space in heaven. And Asians and African-Americans, we're not, we're not, we don't have different, different clubs. Sunday morning is one of the most segregated mornings across America. And you know what the Lord said? From two trusted people of the Lord, Sharice and I absolutely trust, hear from the Lord and speak. I want to share with you parts of prophetic words that we've received, specifically to us, but about this church family as a whole. In 2016 in Pittsburgh, we received a prophetic word, and part of it said this, And the Lord will say to you too, you are going to be used to bring races and ethnicities together. There is nothing biased, nothing prejudiced about either of you. But although you two are lily white, remember this? But although you two are lily white, get ready for people of color. He goes on to say red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. So get ready to mingle with people of color. All different colors, all different shades, all different ethnicities. Now, this man doesn't know us. He doesn't know our ministries, but he says Spanish-speaking believers. Then he goes African-American. Then he says Hispanic, Hispanic, Hispanic. He doesn't know we have a Hispanic church across the street. He says, get ready to bring people together, my son and daughter. I mean, I want you to hear the significance of this. Then last fall, right here on this platform, when we had our Seek First conference, 
Uh, Richie Seltzer, and then I, I believe some of this was from Paul Martini. He says, and you know the Lord is going to give you souls, 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 souls. He said, I feel like even though people might not understand everything that is happening in this house, they might not understand everything that's going to happen. Listen, revival is messy. The stable without the oxen is clean, but we want the oxen. He says, but I just feel that even though people might not understand what's going on or what's going to happen in this house, you need to remember this, the souls, the souls will justify what is happening because souls, now listen, the millennial generation is going to get saved at a rapid pace in this house. I received that from the Lord. So we, we, we have to structure ministry. We have to approach ministry directly to that generation. It says, and actually I see a great harvest of African-American males and females coming into this house. Now, if you look around here, that's a prophetic word that's not, a, that's not happening right now, but I'm happy for people of all different ethnicities that we have. And he says, I see you reaching out to a particular area where there are African-Americans, and I see people, uh, there being a great harvest coming in with Hispanics. Now, we believe that to be from the Lord, not from a man of God speaking to us, but from the Lord, and we hold on to these as promises from God that we need more space. We don't want to just gather here once a week. We want to equip you so to send you out to advance the kingdom in order to welcome more people into the church family and into ultimately the family of God. When you think about the entire reason of family, if you look all the way back in Genesis, the purpose of Adam and Eve, right? They were to reproduce, to multiply, to subdue the earth. Well, the only way to subdue the earth now in this covenant is to destroy the works of the enemy so that his glory can dwell and rest upon us. The only way to do that is to stop approaching how we do church as we're raising children, but we're actually raising responsible adults, right? There's a difference. Even Sharice and I, we're not raising four children. We're raising future adults. So the whole purpose of family in the Bible was to raise responsible reproducing adults so that they are then in, in fact going to multiply themselves, not just physically, but spiritually through discipleship, through training of other people who don't yet know the Lord, right? So when you think about this, when you look at Acts chapter two, now when you see all of them being involved in discipleship, all of them being involved in prayer and so on, they understood that from a very early age in the Lord that they were all called to be a responsible part of the church, taking full ownership, full participation for the purpose of multiplying to other people. Now, unfortunately, most families, uh, not all, but most families have this type of person. And we'll call him Uncle Larry. Say Uncle Larry. Uh, Uncle Larry, if your name's Larry, I apologize. It's not about you. <laughs> Uncle Larry is the one that on holidays, he has his special chair and he sits on that chair while everybody else is doing work, right? And Uncle Larry yaps at his kids to get him a drink and to go get him a meal and to go do this and that. And then when the tables aren't set up the way he thinks, he complains. And then when things are getting cleaned up, he says, well, you should do it that way. Why are you putting it there? Or why are you doing it like this? Now, the reason why Larry is so critical is because he's not being productive with his time. So Larry sits back and he seems to think he has it all figured out because he sees all of the problems. The problem with it is, is that he's not being productive with what God has given him. Now, unfortunately, the same is true in the spiritual family. 
And I actually believe if we are like that in our natural families, we'll expect our spiritual family to look like that as well. But God sets something different in motion for a spiritual family of God. Now, if Larry would get up and he would start moving things around and start setting up and cleaning up and helping to cook, he would see the problem, but he would also be involved with the problem. So as he's evaluating, he's also participating, and now he's part of the solution. And that's what I believe the Lord wants to do. See, what I call this in the American church, it's called consumerism, right? There's a consumer and there's a producer. A consumer buys things and eats of it or partakes in it for their own benefit. A producer creates, makes, or even grows things in the natural for the purpose of exporting it away from them for the benefit of other people. If we approach church family from a consumer standpoint, then it's what are they giving me? What are they doing for me? And then the more that you are not participating, the more you might evaluate. I'm sorry if this is stepping on anybody's toes right now, but what will happen is, is you'll find more and more things to be critical about and judge. But if you say, you know what? I'm going to put my boots on and I'm gonna strap them up and I'm gonna get involved. I'm gonna participate. I'm gonna find out what God's given me. I'm gonna value their strengths. I'm gonna walk in my strengths. Then we could do this thing as a family and we'll be producing. So what you're doing is you're growing yourself to export what the Lord's giving you for the benefit of other people. If we would, listen to that. If we would take our time honoring one another and valuing the gift of God on each other's lives, and we would focus on how can I add value to this person's life? How can I add value to this person? We would have very little time for strife and gossip and backbiting. I believe that's how the church family could go from 3,000 in just a couple years to 5,000. And once they were 5,000, there were still no needy people among them. Everyone was participating. When I was young... My, yeah, my mom's here. I won't embarrass her. I won't, I won't make you come up to the stage either. When I was young, so I was responsible for dusting my room, uh, the end tables in the family room, and then the entryway foyer. I had to scrub that. I believe it was on Saturday mornings, and I'm sure I complained more than I remember. I remember myself being responsible, but I'm sure I complained like any other child did. But I had responsibilities. And then as I got older, you know, you'd cut the grass, paint and stain the fence, plant shrubs, all that kind of stuff. My father was disabled, so he wasn't able to do some of those things. But the fact remains is this. My mother and my father raised me not just to be a child, but raised me to be a responsible, hardworking adult that takes ownership in the family. And that's what we want to do. The pastors, the elders, deacons, our spouses, we want to take the leadership role to, to just demonstrate to you what it looks like to give yourself for the benefit of another so that you guys will join the journey with us. We're not asking you to do anything that we would not be willing to do ourselves. You just find what your strength is and you run with that as we're running with us as well. Now, the, the, the goal of this is maturity. And I'm gonna close with reading out of Ephesians chapter four. Maybe just about 10 more minutes or so. I wanna share what maturity looks like in Ephesians four. Now, I read, I believe, verses one through four or five last week talking about how we're one body, one spirit. We've been called to one glorious hope. I'm going to look at uh, in verse 7 of Ephesians chapter 4. It says, He has given each one of us, He, talking about Christ. So Christ has given each one of us, can you say each one of us? A special gift through the generosity of Christ. 
So what's happening here, every single individual has been given spiritual gifts, has been given a purpose, a calling, value. But then together is how we make family. So each one of us has been given a uh, special gift through the generosity of Christ. If you go down to verse 11, so he's given each person a gift, but Christ has also given the church as a whole Gifts. He says, now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. So this is, this is uh, the church body as a whole. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. What is their responsibility? Verse 12 says, their responsibility is to equip God's people. Who are God's people? They're all the people who have been given special gifts by the Lord. So every person has already been given a gift. Now the Lord has given the church, the people of God, gifts of apostles, prophets, uh, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Now our responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, which is the body of Christ. So you see there's care uh, within the body, but then there's also ministry extended beyond the body. Then in verse 13, it says, this will all continue, or this will continue until we all, say all. All. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord. It says, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. That phrase there, when it says, until we all, this is not one by one. This is us together. So God's not saying, or or, uh, Ephesians, Paul's not saying here, you're going to grow, and then you're going to grow, and then you're going to grow, and we're all going to kind of catch up to each other eventually, and then at the end times, right before the final judgment, we'll be mature. No, he's saying all of us together as a singular unit called the church of Jesus Christ should be rising up, growing together, participating together, and then maturity will come. In fact, look at the two things that it says. Unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son. So it requires for us to be mature, for you as an individual to gain, to get to a place of full maturity in the Lord. You need other people. One of the prerequisites is that we are unified in our faith. And then the more knowledge we have in God's Son, the more revelation we have of why He came so that we could be empowered by His Spirit to do the works that Jesus did. So we could be unified and walking in love, compassion, and power together. So what does maturity look like when we're all using our gifts? Verse 14 says, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown. Adam, you can come up with your team now. It says we won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. And those might simply be things like, well, what could you ever do for your church? Wait, you don't even pray enough. You've only been a Christian this long. These These are all lies, all lies. In verse 15, it says, instead, we will speak the truth in love. How many of you know that hurts sometimes? The truth in love. That doesn't mean we're always these nice, gushy, like, oh, yes, you're just so wonderful in everything that you do. No, it actually says, as we get more and more mature, we will be able to speak the truth in love, which means like some of the things that the men have going on right now with all these different teams, when a guy starts uh, messing up or if he starts missing the mark of his walk, there should be somebody in his life that can speak the truth in love. 
The difference is one tears you down. The truth sometimes, and not, not in love, it tears you down. You feel the pain of your mistakes. The truth in love always has a redemptive value. So if you ever come to confront somebody, rebuke somebody, it needs to be in love with a redemptive value to bring them back up to the value that they were before they fell into sin. So it says, instead, we'll speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ. And that's the goal, to grow more and more like Christ. It's so awesome, though. He designed this to do together. It's not us in a closet with our Bible saying, I want to be more like you. It's us in our prayer closet with Jesus then coming together with the church body saying, we want to be more like you. In fact, that sounds a lot like the prayer we talked about last week in John chapter 17, right? When Jesus said, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Jesus didn't do it by himself and we weren't designed to do it by ourselves either. Verse 16, he says, he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, right? Own special work. It says it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body, the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. That's what maturity looks like in a church family. Acts chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4, it's threaded throughout the entire New Testament. And you never see a healthy believer off by themselves doing their own thing. You always see them being a, a part, a greater part of a greater body of God. I read a verse a few minutes back and I just want to read it to close here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 26 says, if one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. You know, you can look at that in, in both ways. If, if, if somebody's not doing their part, right? if somebody's Uncle Larry right now, the church body has done this before in the past too. We'll judge that person and criticize that person until we isolate them, push them away, and then they leave the church. But what do you do if you have a part of your body that's suffering or injured? You don't yell at it. You don't pound on it. You don't isolate it. You don't say you're worthless. You bandage it. You care for it. You rest it, you nurture it until it's back to a part where it can be a healthy, active part of your body. And that's what we wanna do with you. If you know that you're in a place of unhealth right now, you're just burned out or whatever, listen, don't take any of this message as guilt because you're not involved. No, right now, we want to reach out to you, not just the pastors, but us as a church family. We wanna nurture you back to health until you in faith can say, I am a significant part of this family of God. When you believe that with your heart, you'll seek the Lord for what giftings he's given you, what your purpose is, and you'll begin to add value in faith, making this body stronger. I want you to stand at this time. I want to admit that none of us have arrived. And for us to be a healthy church family, we need to have the wounds that are in our soul healed from our natural church or from our natural family. So I want you to be able to leave everything at this altar today. I want you to think, God, if you want me to add this much value to this church family, 
then what in my natural family or in former church families or maybe some issue you have with somebody else across the room even today, I want you to make a step of faith today to forgive them. I want you to take a step of faith today to leave it at the altar, which means the reality is this. Some of you have come from abusive homes. Some of you were beat. Some of you were neglected. Some of you were abused mentally, physically, emotionally. It's just, it's just the fact of the matter. The problem is that sometimes we don't take time to actually deal with it and give it to the Lord so that you can give him your burden and he can give you his, which is easy and light. I can guarantee you this, if you're walking in unforgiveness toward a family member, if you're still wearing the wounds of abuse in the past, you will carry that into your church family. Also the same thing with your church family. Maybe you've been a part of a church family before where they didn't treat you right, or you felt isolated, ostracized. If you're still holding on to that, when you think of that pastor, that elder, that church member, if anger rises up or frustration or unforgiveness rises up, you will bring that into your small group. You'll bring all that junk into your ministry. You'll bring that as a part of the church family. So what I wanna do is speak to those things today. And you, if you know something's in your heart from your church family, another church family, this one, or your natural family, I want you to come forward today. You can seek the Lord by yourself on the outside. You can come up and receive prayer. One thing when I was praying last night that I wanna speak to are the middle children. Those of you who you were, you were a part of three, but you were the middle child, or even if you were four, a lot of times it's that second or the third child. I wanna to declare to you today, you are significant, you are important, you're not forgotten about. We accept you, we invite you in. You have a plan and a purpose just as much as your older brother or sister did, just as much as the younger one. And it might seem silly to you unless you're the middle one and you know exactly what I'm talking about. I feel like the Lord wants to break things off of your life so you leave here more free than when you came in. And you can say, I'm gonna walk in health in this church family. So the, the team's here gonna play. I invite you to come forward. You can start to sing to Adam if you want to. And I want you to come forward for prayer. You can just step out even right now and receive prayer. Don't leave here with something in your heart. Thank you for joining us. Be sure to check us out on the web at centralconnect.org.